I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are to dive into yet another film, pick it apart and throw all our views and opinions in the mix so you can enjoy the listen. But, of course, as you know by now, it's not just me. As much as I'd like to rant on my own for half an hour, that doesn't work for the listeners as we have many complaints when I do that. So my trusty steed, uh, film buff and lover of the New Year film review in life, Callum is here, as always, to dive into another film with me. Callum, how you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Happy New Year. Um, I'm well, yeah. Uh it's been a funny year, 2022, wasn't it? Um, in was some respects. Funny, yeah. it was a bit funny. Any, any um, highlights on the film front from what we did? Uh, well, I don't know, actually. Um, just I'm just going to raise old tensions and say, I think the best film released last year was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, <laughs> just bring up that old uh, tension again. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think... I mean, the, the, I think the best the best thing that we best documentary that I, that I watched was the the Roadrunner Bourdain one. Mm. Um, yeah, that was outstanding, outstanding. Really, really powerful piece of piece of docu- piece of documentary making. Um, in terms of movie, um, I don't know really. I can't even. You know what? I can't even remember what was even released last year. I've put you on the spot there. Yeah, I can't even remember what was released. There'll be there'll be something that I enjoyed yeah. a lot. A film, a film. Be don't well, a don't f- you worry about that, Callum. Because the great thing is, there's plenty more films to be released. And as we are hitting the awards season, I'm sure there's going to be some big hitters once they stop showing Avatar wall to wall at the cinema over the next coming weeks. Well, saying that, I was going to go to the cinema the other day. Um, I was doing my general sort of flannery around. Um, the lungs of London, as Charles Dickens called <laughs> uh, the the green spaces in London, the lungs of London. I love that; it's quite visceral, isn't that it? That is nice. Um, yeah. Lovely little phrase. Uh, yeah, I was having a wonder, and I thought I was going to go to the cinema, and I was going to go and watch the new Paul Mescal movie, The After After Sun. Ah, uh, yeah, I do want to watch that actually. Yeah, I was going to go and watch that, and I was going to go to the Curzon in Camden, and it was seventeen pounds fifty. That's a little bit of quid, isn't it? It's a lot, isn't it? For a movie, it's a lot of money. You know, I just thought, you know what? No. So I might have to sacrifice the, you know, the the cool independent cinema spaces that are under railway arches, which again baffled me. It's under a railway arch. It's like you'd hear the train going past, surely. That's part of the joy, maybe. Maybe that's the character of it to be rudely interrupted by a train every three minutes. Uh, but yeah, I, was, I might have to go to the Odeon. Um, sounds so pretentious, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I might have to slum it in the Odeon. <laughs> oh, wow. Welcome to the Glacé uh, Film Club, everybody. Well, well, you know, it's yeah, indeed. But yeah, I, I will probably go and watch it somewhere in the... Uh, 
in the audience. Yeah, I was sat in the uh, in the foyer of the Everyman today, um, sipping a black coffee. Not even going to watch a film. Gonna, just would, just would that's not, what I do. Just go they, in and have a coffee. Would they not let you past the outside into actually into the cinema? They wouldn't let you yeah. past the foyer. Is that it? I've, I've not cracked the cold yet to get into the uh, the seats of the Everyman. One day could, soon. One day soon. Your glasses aren't round enough, and you don't have a beanie. So, no. or was it sock head that, that Bourdain famously yeah, says? Yeah, yeah. Well, it is enjoyable sat there because you get to listen to the conversations of the people that come in. Because I place myself quite nicely near the desk, which is uh, which is enjoyable. But um, I'll be back there soon. And every man, if you and when you are listening, we do want you as one of our sponsors and partners one day. So we're I was going to say you off too much. Indeed, I was. Well, I was literally just going to caveat that by saying. Um, the Everyman, I love the Everyman. Um, I've been to several of the Everymans, and they are every every man's dream. They're, they are fantastic. I was in Muswell Hill the other week. The other week, the other day, went for a huge walk. Um, and the Muswell Hill Everyman is in a lovely uh, list grade two listed building. That uh, for those for our listeners, I did post it on Instagram. So if you wanted to find out what that looks like, it is on our. Instagram accounts, just uh, and that's at the Glacé Film Club for those interested in checking that out. You've been doing some nice um, street photography recently um, for our Instagram. I'm liking this edition. I'd say keep it up. I think I might have to start snapping some from now on as well. Well, yeah, I mean, when I was in Miami, just uh, drop that as well. Um, I went (laughs) to yeah, I went to a um, it was like a camera like space. I think it's called Obscura or something. that was quite cool because you sold like loads of old film cameras and loads of old uh, cameras, film cameras, cameras, whatever. It was quite cool. Love that. Was, that was that was the extent of that. Lovely. Story. Thank you for that. Um, and on that anecdote, let's dive in, Callum. Can you give us one of your blockbuster overviews and let us know what film we're going to be diving into on this episode, please? I can. Yeah, it's uh, an old movie we've gone for this week. Uh, it's a two thousand and seven drama. Uh, directed and written by Paul Thomas Anderson. It's the uh, absolute epic uh, There Will Be Blood. Um, It's loosely based on a novel that was written in the 20s by Upton Sinclair called Oil. And it follows um, basically the life of a oil prospector it's set during the oil boom it's californian oil boom of like the sort of 19th late 19th century early 20th century uh daniel plainview who finds silver whilst he's prospecting in new mexico um basically has an injury drags himself out of the pit where he's trying to prospect for silver um and he basically discovers oil several years later when he's in Los Angeles, just near outside of Los Angeles. Um, and he establishes his own, his own drilling company, basically. And it follows the life of him as an oil prospector, essentially. And there's a real tension throughout this movie because I think it speaks to the time, our time very much. Because on the surface, it is just about the discovery of oil in the late 19th and early 20th century in America. But it's more than that. It's about how... It's basically about the birth of modern capitalism, really. Um, that's what the movie is really about. It's about that moment when you had the old sort of prospecting frontier identity of the 19th century in America sharply, I would argue, comes to an end and is replaced by the new frontier, the new prospect of um, unlimited capitalist growth. And it's set in a real 
really interesting point in history, really, because it has a lot that the early twentieth century, in particular, the growth of modernity. There you go. I got modernity in the yes, in early growth of modernity. Um, the foundation of like the growth of uh, neoliberalism, almost in a in a way. Um, it's it's redefining what the American frontier is really, um, and it focuses on how capitalism and entrepreneurialism operates on the same platform, or I guess kind of has the same grammar as the earlier spirit of religion in particular. Um, it compared like capitalism and religion in this film are constantly played off against one another, and eventually, well, I would argue. The, it turns out there's very little difference between the two in terms of the American spirit or the Amer- American identity, really. It's a profoundly um, interesting and... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? When, when uh, Didactic, in a way. Teaches you something. It's, yeah, it's, it's a really, really interesting movie about the growth of American capitalism, really, and oil is at the heart of that. That's my overview. Pretty much. Magic. Thank you very much. It's all all I've got. It's all I've got. (laughs) I don't want any more from you, Callum. (laughs) Thank you very much. So straight away, I'd say my feeling when watching it, it was tense. Like the tension was built up really well. And I think cinematographically, it was a fantastic film, Um, both in terms of the shots, because I think there's two ways that the attack building that tension up. Um, one is through the use of quite long shots. And I don't necessarily mean distance wise, even though they do do that quite a bit where the action's taking place quite far away. Um, but a long shot in terms of duration. So there's quite a bit where, fairly innocuous, but for example, where... Um, his son returns from the deaf school and he's going to greet him and he picks him up, hugs him, kisses him, then they walk away and then he's hugging him some more and then his son like punches him and slaps him and that. This all happens in one sequence and it's like with the same camera angle. So there's not necessarily like any big action that happens there, but it's almost this like ultra realness um of just something taking place from one perspective. There's no, like, multiple cameras on this to build the drama. It's just the tension of you feel something's going to happen. And it it dangles you, dangles you. And sometimes something a bit more dramatic happens, but sometimes it doesn't. I think all the way through, the filmmaker has you in the palm of the hand like that, manipulating your emotion all the way through to make sure that when those dramatic moments do happen, they land even more impactfully and then secondly the score as well is that the the film is scored with a lot of um well non-musical really there's lots of sounds and there's a lot of ongoing drones throughout it there's no music in terms of um melody or anything lyrical it's just these drones and sound effects which score the film and i think they both add to the tension to it, but they build this world, this frontier world early on in the film. And I think like my initial, well, my instant reaction was like, I felt like I was there. It felt real. It felt genuine. There's loads of films that are in that setting, um, whether it be further back in kind of like Western cowboy stuff or a bit more closer 
um, to the current day in this era. But it felt genuine. And for putting all historical context aside, going into it, not necessarily knowing much about the area, you felt like you were in something that was happening. And I think straight away, that's a great win of a filmmaker when you can create a setting and a world that the audience feels involved with, but also that you feel um, you have their emotions in the palm of your hand all the way through. And I think that the film absolutely did this throughout. So hats off to the filmmaker for that. And then on top of that, I just really like the themes. I know you have a big passion for this era of history and are very knowledgeable and also interested. And I'm very interested also about the kind of link through with American capitalism. And straight away, what I got from this was this was a frontier setting, but it felt like the birth of um, American capitalism and also the formation of the values that underpin it now and have either grown in positive ways or negative exploitative ways and these are played out and very intriguing to see how they played out in this early historical setting is something that you see initially as something that feels historical like deeply historical in its setting that you link to the more of the western world to then what it cleverly does is the film follows through to the end point which isn't that many years on okay yeah, it's decades on but it feels much more linked to the current day because it has got he lives in a house with more modern trappings um that you can relate to and you see the kind of rapid growth of consumer and capitalist society in america through that so straight away, love the themes, thought it was um, visually and also just <clears throat> the construct of it was fantastic. Um, and it had me, it felt tense all the way through. I was not relaxed watching it, which I think delivered on the uh, themes that um, it wanted to. Uh, so yeah, a bit big success on that that sense. So what about you, Callum? What did you think it gave you in terms of um, the production of the film, but also the themes that it went into? Um like I, it's it's quite dreary. I do, I do quite like a dreary movie. Yeah, yeah, we know that. We know that. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, for me, it, 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 it's. I think it's as much a sort of, it's as much a as a it's, a, it's as much a source for helping us understand how art is critical of American capitalism, um, or at least critical of the birth of it, at least. But it's also just it just works really well as a piece of art and how how art can um you know reflect and mold opinion about history in a way. I think it's a really interesting piece of filmmaking that I think in the next fifty years will be will go down it already is a classic, but I think in the next fifty to a hundred years when we look back at particularly 21st century cinema it will certainly be one of those sources that we look at and think that that film is saying something quite profound about um yeah, okay. american capitalism um in the same way like we've both been watching the Sharma's documentary at the moment with the history mm-hmm. of now and he's, he's talking about 1984 and uh dr shivago and all these all these pieces of literature and the charlie chaplin movies that at the time would they were doing something revolutionary, but then as time has gone on, they've become even more revolutionary as pieces of art. And I think there will be blood will will sit in that in that canon. I think, um, but it'll take time for it to do it. And it's because it's just absolutely so poetic and articulate about how it um, uh, frames the triumph or the failure, for, depending on how you look at it, of American capitalism. I mean, for me, um, the tension between capitalism and religion runs throughout that whole movie. Absolutely. And I, think that's, Absolutely. I think it's a really, really interesting two concepts. I think are really, really interesting um, in terms of how to critique the American 
the birth of the American state almost in the, in the way we understand it today from a capitalist perspective. So like um, the in particular, the, the scene at the end when uh, the preacher who is a constant presence throughout the whole film, who represents that evangelical Christianity, that rugged individualism of the 18th and 19th century. I mean, it reminded me of the sort of like the, 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 um, the Charles Grannison Finneys, the the the, tr- the travelling evangelists that went across the frontier, telling people the truth, um, and the frontier spirit, and that's exactly what Daniel Day Lewis is doing. His character is doing, but he's rather than doing it with religion, he's doing it with oil, and he's doing it with money and capitalism, and how that can inspire and galvanise a spirit. And capitalism is being compared to that religious, um, uh sort of fervor that fervor that existed in in the in the eight in the nineteenth century. I mean, that scene when the preacher is battered to death with a bowling pin, <laughs> I think is incredibly symbolic. Like the, the 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 kind of absurdity of that sort of yeah. striking as well, isn't it? It is, it is sorry it's, for the bowling pun there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so striking, isn't it? Like um it's it is very yeah, it's like literally it's I mean, he's beaten to like the preacher is beaten to death with a bowling pin um, by capitalism almost. And there's two reasons. As he begs capitalism for a savior. Exactly. He begs the symbol of capitalism to save him. Well, on the one hand, it's, yeah, exactly. There is that. But on the one hand, it's almost saying that, like, is it, is it a critique saying that this is capitalism's going to be self destructive? In the sense that it it will destroy itself, and we're seeing that we've seen that since the two that the the financial crash that capitalism has the potential to destroy itself. It's destroying itself now, and everyone seems to be a bit asleep at the wheel and refuse to sort of accept a different economic model. Um, and so, is it a is it, is it saying that capitalism is going to destroy itself, or is it saying that capitalism replaced that religiosity that that governed people's thinking? Because religion governed people's thinking in the 19th century on the frontier, it did. And then as soon as oil was discovered and capitalism and neoliberalism excelled, money became the money god, as we've talked about with Orwell. Has capitalism replaced religiosity in that respect, or are they a blend of the two? I think the film is definitely saying that it replaces it. I think the narrative arc of it, the fact that, as you say, that what is a pretty iconic scene at the end, of him beating to death Eli the pastor mm. preacher with the bowling uh, pin is exactly that. Like you say, it's the symbol. He's going to the capitalist symbol to pray for kind of his salvation in the flip of the scene of when he forced um, Daniel the prospector to beg for his salvation from his sins it flips it goes like that so there's definitely a through line to say look here's capitalism replacing um religion as the new religion absolutely but i do think there is a also undercurrent there of the suggestion that they are one and the same thing not necessarily a it's like capitalism destroyed religion there's a critique mm. of religion in there as well so we see that eli is kind of corrupted in that sense himself like he is like going off he asks for money you know he's got that on his mind he's not just out and out uh, the religious element he's he's always asking for money for the church but he is 
um, there's a kind of like capitalist within him. Um, so that kind of shows how the influence on the church is there. But there's also, I think what the filmmaker is is trying to say there is not necessarily, it is just infiltrate the church. It's saying they are the same thing. So even if religion previously was seen as this uh, purer, um, truer thing to go for, it was just doing the same thing that capitalism was in terms of um, convincing people there is something to believe in bigger themselves that they can go after and, and build towards and develop. Because what you said to me, earlier when we discussed this before we started recording was this this idea of like we're talking about the collective against the individual so what capitalism really pushes is the individual you um go you pursue things yourself and to for the good of the uh the larger collective you have to succeed on your own and that is will then have a knock-on effect to the uh uh, collective, which is still something that's prevalent now in politics and societies. This idea is that if we uh, grow an economy in an area, then the rest of the um, society will benefit for it. Which, obviously, as we know, has its pluses and minuses. But within this, the um, <coughs> religions then sold as the idea of like, oh, there's the collective. But as you said, and you can give better history on uh, than this on this than me, is that evangelical Christianity of that time was very much backing up the frontier lifestyle of the individual go-getter, go out and get it. So even though the kind of storyline and the narrative does suggest straight away capitalism has consumed religion, I think what it's also saying is, but religion was the same in many ways. They share the same properties and they fulfill the same um, mechanisms in society so I think the film is doing two things on that front well yeah I mean in the 19th century in particular there was a there was several critiques of capitalism as a as a, a new thing I mean most right I mean uh, Benjamin for example the German philosopher was comparing the shopping mall to a church like for like famously he described the Parisian Parisian arcades as as having like a sort of a religiosity to them. Yeah. Um and, you know, that sort of frontier spirit, that sort of rugged individualism that was championed by so many frontiers frontiermen and and even sort of big industry as well, from everything from building the railroad to discovery of oil, everything really was favouring uh sort of a you earn and you work for your own success. It's that sort of American dream stuff, isn't it? Like, which has been obviously widely critiqued and debunked, but people still believe in it. And I, th- and I think it's not the movie itself. I think it's, it's, it's saying something even more profound than just saying that like, you know, capitalism is inherently evil and will eventually destroy itself. It's not just saying that it's, it's actually speaking to a whole host of problems that I still, I, I think, still speak to our today's society. I was telling you off mic, for example, I went to the cartoon museum today, and there was a cartoon, a caricature of Margaret Thatcher, and it showed her having a big wad of money, waving it in someone's face, and the speech bubble read, "You need money to live here," um, and behind her were a load of other men dressed in stripy suits and above them said the London yuppie and it's that sort of like that 
sort of almost sort of faith in money that it will eventually be and has been the destruction of 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 communities or the destruction of of identities and i think to juxtapose it with that religiosity that governed american society and continues to do so really for so long i mean you know after with george floyd for example when he was killed donald trump posed outside st john's church with a bible i mean his message was about peace but you know ultimately you can still draw the same comparison there in the sense that you've got a businessman a very symbol of american capitalism i mean the guy's a gold elevator crying out loud like him and holding a bible there is still a, a, a if you have a venn diagram between sort of capitalism and religion they're quite firmly in the crosshairs aren't they they're in the they're in the sense there's an overlap between the two and i think what this movie does very eloquently is that it 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 sort of says that quite profoundly it emphasizes that tension i think I stuttered yeah. for a bit then i was like oh, right, right, no, right. no no absolutely um, um, yeah that's what i, that's what I, I th- but yeah that's it basically and yeah. i think beyond that like Yes, of course, this film is talking about capitalism and the birth of it in America. Um, But I think in a a nihilistic way, it's almost saying that these values are intrinsic in humanity and we just find different systems to exploit them. Because the idea of the inclusion, the heavy inclusion of evangelical Christianity in it and its comparisons and contrasts with capitalism is kind of saying, well, look, this is just, these um, human elements exist no matter what system they are exploited by. So there is there that nihilistic view of we have inbuilt within us as human these um, negative traits that, that will be exploited by different systems no matter what it is. It's not just capitalism. Which brings me on a bit, like, I think it's exploring as well throughout it morality and the formation of modern morality because the morals that we kind of hold close to us now are kind of formed a lot round capitalism and commercialism. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're stemmed from this era and the consumerist society that birthed from it. But one thing that I think it does to symbolize this throughout is the idea of deception, both outward deception and inward deception. So um, Daniel outwardly deceives people all along the way. So we see him giving his speech to the community. I'm an oil man. By doing this, I'm going to help boost your community. I'm going to raise up your standards, we're going to build a little school, and he says to the church he's going to give the money. He lies a lot, and that just seems to be like par for the course. But then there's also the inward deception of um, people convincing themselves the reasons why they're doing something. So, for example, Eli is the, the biggest character for inwardly deceiving himself, is that everything that he talks about that's money-related has a justification through God. Even that final scene at the end, he talks about his investments going bad and asking why God did that to him and how he's going to test him even more. <laughs> there's a deception, there's a self-deception at play there, which I think the suggestion is that um, to truly succeed at this capitalist game you have to have a um an inward 
a self-deception. You have to have that double think. Everything comes back to Orwell. <laughs> Always comes back to Orwell. And I'm going to bring it back to him again in a minute with another quote. But I think the idea of morality um, is really pushed on. It's like, what are the morals that be informed here? Well, they're ones that are based around a deception. Whether it's a deception of what you believe internally, where you deceive yourself to buy into something, or actively deceiving other people. And I think the, the scariest one is the self-deception. Because everyone knows what a lie is, but a lie to yourself is something that is scarier and more intrinsic. And that's one thing that got me from this. And I think that's why it's so powerful, including the evangelical Christianity, beyond just the practicality of it saying well um capitalism took over from christianity it's saying look at the morals look at the moral elements of this and the deception that goes on through the film well also well the thing is they're both capitalism and religion well not all religion but historically and traditionally promises eternal salvation Mm -hmm. like they're both promising a life that will exist forever like you know oil will allow the American consciousness to exist indefinitely. Yeah. You know, religion, if you, you know, if you, if you don't sin, particularly the evangelical Christianity in the context of this film and historically, if you sin, you, you know, you have, you have shamed yourself and God, you will be judged by God. And, you know, the whole point is the preacher promises, promises eternal salvation. That's what the preacher promises. Um, and there's that wonder, there's that beautiful kind of symbolism of that the using the church in this film of being washed by the blood of Christ, but mm. then be they are forever washed in oil. Um, yeah, yeah. The the pros, the, uh, the miners and the drillers because and I think there's a link there. It's almost like the yeah. the physical embodiment of the oil is their religious washing. They wash themselves in the oil and. He almost baptizes Daniel when he kind of slapping him about, and he, he rubs all the mud and oil on his face like that's his capitalist baptism of him. And there's a real mirror there. It's another one of the mirrors that goes throughout the film, which is why I think it's incredibly powerful in terms of its its analysis of um, history, really. Um, but that that's that's what both ideologies promise. They promise they promise the idea the idea of eternal life and eternal salvation one is through a spiritual or higher power and the other one is through money as you know or well the money god yeah which which i just want to throw in whilst i remember the quote that i got from one of my favorite orwell novels keep the aspidistra flying um and the line he says in there is for money is thicker that um for money is thicker than blood and Mm. what i like about that and why i link it to this film is because the family relationships in this and also the community relationships um, seem initially to be strong and they seem to be, that's why everything is done. The capitalist endeavours are done to boost family, to help his son have a good life, to help the community have a good life. But when it all unfolds, it comes back to the individual. He disowns his son and tells him he was adopted. Um, Eli really kind of disowns his... um, link with the church and uh that idea and it all unravels with that and that idea that 
money is thicker than blood. I think it's a really good line to sum it up because in this it really is. And you could even have add oil into the mix there because uh, oil is thicker than blood. We replace that, I think, very similarly in this. But I think that's a very good line. Orwell seems to always know, doesn't he? Um, which is the beautiful thing about his writings. And I think it sits in there perfectly. And mm. that is probably everything I've got to say on this. So let's look to round it up, Callum. If there's anything else let's, you want to throw yeah, in there yeah. that you've missed out, please do. But if not, can you round us up, give us your <clears throat> final overview, and then I'll throw mine in the mix as well. I mean, the movie, as is, is, you know, we've kind of said quite repeatedly, just in different ways, I guess, is about sort of capitalism and religion and how both are you know capitalism isn't necessarily all that dissimilar from evangelical dogma i guess um it's a critique of american the construction of american capitalism but i think it's a wider critique of capitalism generally i mean it is just absolutely stunning isn't it like the movie is just stunning it's got to be 10 out of 10 i mean it is just absolutely just amazing everyone go and watch this movie now <laughs> immediately Fantastic. Thank you very much, Callum. Yeah, I mean, I agree that it is a fantastic film. I think it's been one of the best that we've deconstructed in terms of, from a filmmaking perspective, it's unbelievably crafted. Right from, like I said, the shots and the score which build up the tension throughout and make you feel on edge, which then delivers those tense moments when they do come round because you kind of led down a a blind path sometimes, think it's going to be a dramatic moment when it isn't, that's fantastic. And doing all that <clears throat> without um, lyrical music or melodic music is fantastic. Even the opening of the film, it's not to the extreme of uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, but it opens without dialogue for quite a bit. You're just mm. following the actions of people as it goes on and, and murmurings and things like that. Which, to be able to do that successfully is, um, you know, a real testament to the filmmaking. I also think the structure's fantastic. Like I said, the way that they <clears throat> cover a period of time, but it, it does make it feel like it's a lot changes. It emphasises the changes in those times to make you really feel that there's been a big change in the a rapid expansion of the communist, com consumerist society, which there has been, but there's an emphasis on that point. And then once deconstructed, the themes that it's representing, I think it very cleverly mirrors and opposes the evangelical Christianity with the capitalist oil expansion within it. And so much comes from that, as I said, morality, modern values, capitalist expansion in America and things to do with the American dream. There's a lot going on there, which we dived into. It gives you a lot, but it doesn't just... One of the criticisms we give to films sometimes is just throwing out ideas and not doing anything with them. This does something with it. It goes into them just enough to give you a path to work with, but also leaves it open to interpretation, which I think is very clever and very well executed. My only downside to this film is that I think that a lot of the satisfaction comes from the analysis and consideration of what the film is doing, whereas there are chunks of the film where it just feel like it is a bit mundane and i know it's using the mundaneness to get to a certain point but back to my two rules of a film you've got to be really uh, enjoying the spectacle as well as getting a lot given to you from that so that's what just brings it down a little bit for me because as well it is is craft in terms of what it's saying sometimes when it's saying it it's not the most uh, riveting watch so <laughs> 
for that, I'm not going to knock too much off, but it's a 9 out of 10 because it is a great spectacle. And you've got to say what an unbelievably well put together film it is. Like, it's great um, filmmaking and you have to give it testament. After all, we're, we're trying to call ourselves film critics, Callum. And if we're not critiqu- critiquing the film for great filmmaking, then what are we doing? So, oh, yeah, yeah, there will be blood. I'm going to give it 9 out of 10, just short of yours. But I think all around, we've concluded there fantastic film mm. well there we have it Callum. indeed thank yes. you once again i am glad right. we dived into that um and also realized that was we uh reviewed another one didn't we by the same director licorice pizza mm. uh, a few uh episodes ago so i'll be very up for diving into a bit more of his back catalogue and seeing him what um what's in there and i'm sure we'll uh, get a few more gems if this is anything to go by but hey that was that. Once again, thanks for diving in. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Let's get back on some more films. And I am hoping now that the cinemas stop showing Avatar and give us some new films. Now we're <laughs> running up to the uh, award season because I've been wanting to go, but Avatar's just on wall to wall. Give us something else, please. That's enough of that rant. Callum, go and watch some more films. I'll go and watch some more as well. But until then, that was another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. Enjoy yourselves. Get the telly on. Go to the cinema. Have a good January. Be good. And we'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, bye-bye.